Hello, this is Michael Miller, Communications Manager at the Council of Institutional Investors. As we head into the 2019 season of our Voice of Corporate Governance podcast, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast so you get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you have an idea for a future topic or guest for the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to CII staff or me personally at M-I-C-H-A-E-L at CII.org. Again, thanks for listening and let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly podcast episodes is to update CII members and the general public on developments and CII advocacy activities relating to the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers the period of November 20th through December 20th, 2018. Let's start with Congress. On November 29th, retiring chairman of the House Committee on Financial Services, Cheb Henserling of Texas, took to the House floor, making a final pitch to the U.S. Senate to pass his Jobs and Investor Confidence Act of 2018. The so-called Jobs Act 3.0 included 32 individual pieces of legislation. CII did not publicly support the bill in its entirety. However, we did publicly support two individual provisions of the bill. The first provision would require the Securities Exchange Commission to consider amendments to Rule 10b-5-1 trading plans. Those plans govern corporate insider trading of company stock. The second provision would require issuers with multi-class share structures to make disclosures to increase transparency regarding certain shareholders' voting power. Our support for this second provision was as a supplement to CII's October petitions to the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ proposing listing standard changes to require sunset provisions on dual-class shares within seven years of an IPO. All indications are that Jobs Act 3.0 will die with this Congress. However, the two provisions of the bill we publicly supported may be reintroduced and considered by the Committee on Financial Services and potentially the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs in the new Congress. Notably, the first provision relating to amending Rule 10b-5-1 trading plans was sponsored by the incoming chair of the Committee on Financial Services, Maxine Waters of California, and was co-sponsored by the incoming ranking member of the Committee on Financial Services, Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. Turning now to the United States Senate. On December 5th, we submitted a letter to the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs in connection with their December 6th hearing entitled Proxy Process and Rules, Examining Current Practices and Potential Changes. CII board member Michael Garland, the Assistant Comptroller for Corporate Governance and Responsible Investment in the office of the New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer, was one of three witnesses who testified at that hearing. 
Consistent with Mr. Garland's testimony and CII's prior public positions, our letter to the Banking Committee indicated that we support the Security and Exchange Commission's 2014 Staff Legal Bulletin Number 20 that reaffirms that investment advisors have an ongoing duty to maintain oversight of proxy advisory firms and that CII was unaware of any compelling evidence indicating that that guidance was not being followed or that more regulation of proxy advisory firms was necessary or is otherwise in the best interests of investors. We noted that our view with respect to proxy advisory firms was generally supported by the participants at the November 15, 2018 SEC staff roundtable on the proxy process. Notably, At the end of that roundtable, when the SEC staff asked if proxy advisory firms needed additional regulation, no panelists, including those representing the corporate community, voiced the need for more regulation of proxy advisory firms. With respect to the shareholder proposal process, CII expressed the view that SEC Rule 14A8, the shareholder proposal rule, is working in a fair and equitable manner. And we noted that our view on Rule 1488 was shared by many, if not most, of the participants and observers to the SEC November Roundtable, including some SEC staffers who reportedly indicated that the stronger arguments were made in favor of keeping the current Rule 1488 eligibility requirements and resubmission thresholds unchanged from current levels. At a December 11th Banking Committee SEC oversight hearing, in which SEC Chairman Jay Clayton was the sole witness, Chairman Clayton indicated that he has asked the SEC staff to formulate recommendations for the Commission's consideration relating to both proxy advisory firms and shareholder proposals. With respect to the shareholder proposal rule, he stated that it is, quote, clear that we should consider reviewing the ownership and resubmission thresholds for shareholder proposals, unquote. He also noted that a lot has changed since the current $2,000 ownership threshold was adopted 20 years ago and resubmission thresholds were set in 1954. Chairman Clayton said that, quote, there's growing agreement that some changes are warranted, unquote, in rules governing proxy advisors. He said the SEC staff is drafting recommendations on how to clarify the division of labor, responsibility, and authority between proxy advisors and the investment advisors they serve. Shed light on the analytical and decision-making processes advisors employ, including the extent to which analytics are company or industry-specific. Explain how conflicts of interest are addressed at proxy advisory firms and ensure investors have access to companies' responses to information in certain reports from proxy advisory firms. He also indicated that the commission will move forward with these recommendations and, quote, prioritize these initiatives that are most likely to improve our markets for our long-term Main Street investors, unquote. SEC Chairman Clayton's testimony at the Senate Banking Committee on December 11th was the final Senate Banking Committee hearing for this Congress. Let me now move to the Securities and Exchange Commission. On November 26, CII submitted a comment letter in response to the SEC's proposed changes to Regulation SX disclosure requirements about guarantors and issuers of guaranteed securities and affiliates whose securities collateralize a registrant's securities. 
While generally supporting the proposal, CII's comment letter raised a number of issues, including our opposition to the proposed provisions that would permit certain companies the option of providing disclosures outside their financial statements. We view those provisions as generally in conflict with CII membership-approved policies and related public positions that recognize the many benefits of audited financial information to institutional investors in making investment decisions. On December 13th, CII submitted a comment letter in response to the SEC's invitation to comment on its semi-annual regulatory agenda. In that letter, we reiterated our request that two individual agenda items currently listed on the Division of Corporation Finance Long-Term Actions be advanced to the final rule stage. Those two projects are the SEC's project on universal proxy and the SEC's project on listing standards for recovery of erroneously awarded compensation. In addition, we also reiterated our request that the Commission add to its agenda a project to amend Rule 10b-5-1. As I indicated earlier, Rule 10b-5-1 provides regulations surrounding the ability of corporate insiders to sell their company stock. Since the issuance of our letter on the SEC's rulemaking agenda, the SEC's agenda has been lightened by the adoption of two final rules. The first on December 18th was a final rule to implement a provision of the Dodd-Frank Act that requires companies to disclose practices or policies regarding the ability of employees and directors to engage in certain hedging transactions with respect to company equity securities. CII generally supported the Dodd-Frank provision as well as the related SEC proposal. On December 19th, The SEC issued a final rule to conduct a transaction fee pilot in NMS stocks. CI strongly supported the pilot because it's designed to generate data that will help the Commission to analyze the effects of exchange rebates and their impact on order routing behavior and execution quality. These are issues that are specifically addressed in CII membership-approved policies. Finally, with respect to the SEC, On December 20th, CII submitted a comment letter to the Commission in response to its list of rules to be reviewed pursuant to Section 610 of the Regulatory Flexibility Act. Our comment letter addresses two of the rules contained on the SEC's list. The first rule is a 2007 rule on Internet availability of proxy materials. We indicated that the SEC should consider exploring whether the reduction in retail voting that has occurred since the adoption of the 2007 rule might be halted or reversed by potentially pursuing reforms in this area, including investor education campaigns, enhancements to broker online platforms, and other uses of technology, including distributed ledger technology. The second rule on the SEC's list that we commented on in our letter was the Commission's 2009 rule on interactive data to improve financial reporting. In our comment letter, we reiterated our general support for financial reports being required to be formatted in extensible business reporting language, or XBRL, including our longstanding support for requiring XBRL reporting by all public companies, including smaller reporting entities. Finally, let me conclude with our recent activities with respect to the Federal Trade Commission. On December 6th, CII's Executive Director Ken Birch testified at a Federal Trade Commission hearing entitled Competition and Consumer Protection Holdings of Non-Controlling Ownership Interests in Competing Companies. 
In his testimony, Mr. Birch described institutional shareholder responsibilities with respect to corporate governance. He also expressed CII's view that there's not yet any convincing evidence indicating that the so-called common ownership of large asset managers of public companies promotes anti-competitive behavior. Finally, Mr. Birch expressed our view that the FTC should recognize and carefully consider the costs to investors and the U.S. capital markets of any FTC rulemaking that might inhibit effective corporate governance. That completes my financial regulatory update. If you have any questions or comments regarding my remarks, please contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.